Juliet Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 188 of Dogcast Radio. This and all our other shows can be found at our website www.dogcastradio.com where we also have photos, articles, book reviews and our blog which will keep you up to date on all things dog between podcasts. Later on we have an interview with Dr Jodie A. Dean, a clinical psychologist whose own dog inspired her to write a book. And the intent of the book is really Roxy's finding her forever home which is kind of mirroring like a child going through an adoption process. Now, by no means am I uh, comparing a dog being adopted with a child being adopted. That's not the intent. But before that, you probably don't think about it that often, but there are people around us who, on a daily basis, cope with tremendously difficult situations and occasionally are exposed to something so traumatic they develop post-traumatic stress disorder. There's a charity in the UK called Service Dogs UK, which trains and supplies assistance dogs for veterans of any service. Military personnel, but police, firefighters, paramedics and the Coast Guard too, who suffer from PTSD. You can hear an interview with the co-founder of the charity, Judith Brauch, about the inspiration for the charity, the struggle to set it up, and how it's becoming established and helping both people and dogs in episode 169 of Dogcast Radio. But now we have two interviews with veterans who have been partnered with assistance dogs by Service Dogs UK. Terry has an assistance dog called Bella, who, as her name suggests, is absolutely beautiful. She is. Um, and she's been to the dog parlour this week, so I feel even better. Oh, bless her. She's, <laughs> she's had a salon day. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh... She hasn't been talking to me since. Every time we come in now, she sort of sits there with her back to me. <laughs> because she wasn't overly impressed by it. Oh, but bless her. She's getting better now. But she smells better as well. Yeah. <laughs> a good one. She's a very striking dog, isn't she? Looks looks beautiful. Yes. Um, and she does attract a hell of a lot of attention. And has done ever since I first got her. Which then sort of increased my confidence to talk to more people yeah and there's Stan Spooner who does talks for the charity and I've started doing a couple of talks with him oh brilliant uh, and I, I only speak for about five minutes but people are more interested in Bella anyway so that's fine <laughs> I mean I've had dogs in the past but oh. I've learned so much more with her because we're closer and we, we're never apart yeah yeah and it's taken her I suppose about seven months to fully bond. That's why initially when you sort of attach her lead to you for four days and nights, um, there was a, a start of the bond there, but I didn't realise it took so long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like when all of a sudden when you're sat down, she'll come up and sit next to you. Mm-hmm. Or put her head in your lap. Or just sit by you and you realise that it's getting tighter yeah. um, all the time. Yeah. Which is quite amazing, really. Oh, dogs are incredible, aren't they? They're just amazing. They are, and she is really amazing. Um, yeah. Like I said, it's well, it's difficult to explain emotions. Mm. Um, before I had her, I wouldn't be going out much because my PTSD I've had for thirty odd years, mm. and thought it was just 
me, but it didn't really start coming out till maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. And then it just increased until I couldn't do anything. Oh. I had my own, I had my own business and yeah. I would go down to my workshop and sit there all day doing nothing for weeks on end. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, this isn't any good. So I went to the doctor and he talked to me for about an hour and a half and referred me for PTSD to the NHS and to combat stress. Mm. Um, and at that point, well, I suppose it was relief in one way, sort of knowing it wasn't me. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Our combat stress came out and interviewed me mm. and recommended that I spend six weeks uh, residentially in one of their centres, which I did. And I came out there feeling... A little more of an understanding of what I was going through and how to deal with it or cope with it. Mm. And at the time, while I was in there, they had a sheaf of papers with different charities that do different things on there. And assistance dogs were in there. So I contacted Judith when I got into Portsmouth. Because when I left combat stress, I was literally homeless. Yeah, I've been on my daughter's sofa for about four months. Oh. But I've got sorted out within sort of six, seven weeks. And I've now got a nice flat. Yeah. Five minutes from the beach. Oh, brilliant. In South Sea. Yeah. But, yeah, and it's great for Bella. Yeah. Anyway, I got in touch with Judith. And they arranged to come round and see me, Judith and Gary. Mm. So they interviewed me for about an hour. And... Um, went away, I filled all the forms inside the contract and it was three or four weeks before Gary got in touch and said I might have a dog for you but the swine, he wouldn't tell me what it was <laughs> whether it was even a male or female and uh, I was due to see her on the Saturday and but I don't know why for some reason I've been thinking husky all week hmm. and he sent me a little video clip of her and I thought oh my god and I went around to see her on the Saturday but she was still with a foster family then mm. so she was very difficult to even get her attention let alone do anything with her yeah but after six weeks she came home and I thought it only struck me then that the responsibility I then had yes yeah and the challenge. And I think that's what sort of sparked me up a bit more. Mm -hmm. And literally not being separated since then. Wow. Apart from the other 10 minutes. And it, I'm not happy when I'm out on my own anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like uh, locally where I am, I'm okay with the supermarkets because I've got to get, I've got to know them. Mm. Um, and Bella's welcomed in all of them but it's when I go to a strange supermarket that I have trouble even with Bella mm. um, I'll come out either with nothing or only half the stuff I intended to go in and get yeah yeah so it's it is still difficult at times yeah but public transport isn't a problem anymore we spent a couple of weeks going to work on the bus and even the, tra the bus drivers were taking treats with them for it. Oh, lovely. It's just, this effect she has, not just me, everybody, she sort of exudes this calming aura. Yeah. With her. 
she'll get between two fighting dogs and stop them. Mm. And I've seen that a couple of times now. And she's she sort of mothers every puppy she comes across. <laughs> and, yeah, that, I mean, that's when my life has just changed totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really don't think I'd be here if it wasn't for her or yeah. well, um, assistant dog really. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, Barry made an amazing pairing up mm. with us two. Yeah. Yes, thank goodness for Judith and Gary. I mean, they, they've done yeah. so much good. It's amazing. Yes. So what what kind of symptoms does your uh, PTSD uh, manifest as? Well, um, I get anxiety attacks. Mm. And I go around with sort of, out of a one to ten scale, or sort of a five anxiety all the time anyway. Yeah. Um, which has dropped to about, on average, normally, between one and two with Bella. Wow. And I've learned to stay calm. Mm-hmm. And if I start getting anxious or stressed, she lets me know. Yeah. Because she mirrors me. Mm. And she starts getting naughty. So then I know to stop, calm down, go for coffee somewhere and chill out. Yeah. Uh, I've learned... I used to have snap anger a lot. Mm. And like knee jerk texting people and you know, things that you, after 10 minutes, you know, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, yeah. But it's the, it was the anger that's very early on she told me it doesn't work. Mm. You can't even raise your voice to Bella because she gets so upset. Yeah, yeah. So that worked wonders. Stress. I find it difficult amongst a lot of people. I'm all right one-to-one but even even then if it's somebody I've not met before it takes me a long time to not trust so much but come out of my shell yeah yeah Mm. Uh, but with her um, I have no choice yes I have nightmares but not as not as bad as they used to be Mm. um I only sleep maybe two, three, and five hours a night. Mm. Um, if I do have a nightmare now, Bella will wake me up. Yeah, yeah. And that's not well. It was part of the training, but not the way she does it. Mm. Uh, she knew what we were doing in training was just pretend. Mm. But when it comes to actually having a nightmare, she does wake me up. Yeah. And the other week we had a really bad thunder and lightning storm down here mm. and I had to wait till it was virtually over before I went to bed mm. and within two minutes of going into bed she came up and lay by my side and stayed there all night oh bless her yeah. so she's very aware of my mood and feelings which yeah. is good yeah and and that's invaluable isn't it just you know another being being there who seems to understand, you know, and is with you and on your side 24-7. That, as yeah. you say, that, that's almost, you can't put into words what that's worth, can you? No, no. It's, uh, this was going through my mind this morning when I took her for a walk. Mm. And it is unreserved love. It, it, you know, she, it doesn't matter what I do. Yeah. She's absolutely fine with me. Mm-hmm. Um, she... Let's me know when things aren't right around, like when we're out and stuff, whereas I would be very nervous and hyper-alert all mm. the time. 
Mm. And I, I've learned to not be too hyper all the time now. Yeah. I mean, the slightest bang would set me off. Mm. But she's she's good like that. Yeah, yeah. And even at the cash point machine now, she'll sit looking behind me. Mm. If there's not too many sniffs around it. <laughs> <laughs> Life was difficult. At one time, it was nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I burst into tears at the drop of a hat and ridiculous things like that, and not knowing why. Mm-hmm. But just, and I lost two relationships over it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an eight-year-old boy up in East Yorkshire now that the mother doesn't let me have much contact with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my cat, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my cat's up with me mum. She doesn't get on with Bella. Yeah. But Bella loves everything. Um, we looked after a kitten for a couple of days. Oh, bless. Before the owner came back from holiday. And I woke up in the morning and I hear a suckling noise. And it's the kitten suckling Bella. Oh. And she's letting her. <laughs> uh, they're just how happy is Larry. So like, she really does like a mother everything she comes across. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So she's she's definitely given you more confidence because I mean from the sound of it, if you're doing talks now, which is wonderful, she's definitely yeah. helped your confidence, hasn't she? She has, yes. But um I think a bit of it is also that um she distracts people away from me, which is good. Yes. And I, yeah. I just have to answer questions. Mm. Or translate what she's saying. Yeah. Because she does talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's like in the flat, I mean, she's laid there quite happy now, and she doesn't normally talk to anyone unless she's known them mm. for at least half a dozen visits. Yeah. Which is strange. But every now and again, there's one person that she will get excited about mm. for no reason at all, unless it, uh, they remind her of people she used to know. Yeah. yeah. Oh. That's uh, mm. the best thing I did, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's an excellent charity, isn't it? I think, and, and Judith and Gary have worked so hard to set it up, and it's doing so much good, isn't it, Terry? It is, it is. And the other guys as well. And it, it is difficult. The first two or three months I hardly spoke. Mm. But now it's much better now. Yeah. And I'm also keeping my eye on for more veterans for them. We've got more talks coming up. I also volunteer with the Veterans Outreach Support in Portsmouth as a mentor yeah and I, I plug them down there as well yeah, yeah. just thinking in different ways of, of doing stuff and it does keep me challenged I suppose uh, mm. I'm not one not to work mm. uh, or do something and it does does give me a name yeah yeah and it's kind of it, it's sort of set off a you know the, the opposite of a vicious circle I don't know what that is a good circle but you know yeah. that that you yes, you've had you've had help and then and you're giving back to other people now it, it, it's wonderful isn't it yes yeah well I feel I have to give something back because yeah. of, of all the help I've had over the last two years um it's been amazing and it's still going on yeah and 
With Bella's calming influence, it helps with distressed veterans as well and calms them down. Mm. Um, and when she does that, I, it, it makes me feel good. Yeah. There's a bit of selfishness there as well. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm not doing these things for my own kudos. It's just, I've got this thing in my head because I, I tried suicide once in the early days of this. Mm. And I thought, like, if I can stop one person doing that, yeah. it'll, it'll, just, it'll be perfect. Yeah. And I think yeah. I might already have done it, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, it's it's just great that you're joining in with, you know, helping other people and, you know, Service Dogs UK, helping them with what yeah. they're doing, which is wonderful work. So you obviously feel that sort of you and Bella are a great team and you can sort of move forward with, with more confidence and, and, and independence yeah. now, can't you? Yeah. It's, it really is. It, it's because it is so good for individuals that I, well, I need to push it forward. Yeah. I was saying to Gary about going up to combat stress at Tywood House and just giving a 15-minute talk to the, the veterans that are just starting on the six-week course. Mm. Um, and so it's just convincing them that it's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, some people do need convincing. Because mm. uh, you don't know how many have not, never had a dog before mm. and have no understanding of it, but you've got to be careful as well about anger um, because that's the last thing the dog needs oh, while yeah. they need to be stable yeah but I mean especially considering that um, Bella was at Dogs Trust wasn't it wasn't she she's yes. now got a, a so much better of a life than than potentially she could have had yes but well, I don't think she would have been in there long she'd hmm. been in there two weeks um, the guy in Salisbury he He's very good at spotting dogs that are trainable. Mm. The, the hardest part was the first month, six weeks, when I used to see her twice a week just for training. Yeah. And I was itching to get her home. <laughs> yeah, I bet, but yeah. I couldn't until, well, when I first went to them, the flat didn't have any furniture in. <laughs> so it took me six weeks to get that all sorted out. Yeah. Um, then I had a home for her to come to. Yeah. But she loves it. She loves all the other dogs on the common. Mm-hmm. Um, I spread the word out there. The subject always comes up when I'm talking to other people, so I have to take leaflets with me wherever I go to explain <laughs> what it's about. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant, Terry. I'm so happy for you and for Bella that you you sort of found each other. And yeah, it's strange. Yeah. I just need to find a woman the same now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's she's also a very good babe magnet. Yes, all dogs are, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) What a lovely man. It's good to know he's got Bella by his side. Another man who's benefited from the support of a Service Dogs UK assistance dog is Steve, whose dog is called Benny. Benny, How can I put it about Benny? Uh, When I first met Benny, uh, we had one of the windows open in the hall where we used for training, and Benny actually jumped out the window, (laughs) ran off, and we all ended up having to chase him across the field and through people's gardens and whatnot before we found him again. <laughs> so he's a little bit of a mischief maker. Yes, yeah, he's got a sense of humour, hasn't he? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, they say that the dogs are paired with partners that are like them, so I have no idea how they work that one out. 
<laughs> but you're the two lads that were on my course who were uh, they both like just looked at each other and thought, there's no way that this dog's actually going to make it. <laughs> and he did. He did. <laughs> so he's yes, got, he did. Yes, he must have, you know, the brains as well as the sense of humour, bless him. He's very, he's very, very, very bright. He knows what he wants. Yeah. And he can work things out when he wants to. Mm. But it's like, with everybody, if somebody doesn't want to do something, Benny's like, he just won't have it. He just, he like flops down and argues with it. <laughs> and he he was from Dogs Trust, wasn't he? Yes, he was a Dogs Trust. Yeah. Dogs, so that made us all the more special, like, when we actually passed all the training and everything, it's, it was actually good because yeah. he went and proved, proved to everybody that he could actually do it. Yes, yeah. And I think that's that's just, as you say, like, he, he's proved he can do it. It's, it's just such a double success story because you've taken a dog that otherwise might not have had such a good future in front of him and now he's got a, a lovely time being with you all the time and, and he's got a job to do, hasn't he? Yeah. Well, but he does it very well. First time, first night he stayed with me, he's, he's supposed to wake me up from nightmares. And instead of that happening, I ended up having to wake him from a nightmare. <laughs> Perhaps he thought that's what you needed. Yeah. He sounds lovely. I, do, I like a dog with a sense of humour. Oh, yes, he's definitely got a sense of humour. Mm. Yeah. He's into everything. Yeah. People he knows, he, he like, goes mad at them when he, when he first meets them. And they've got to give him a stroke, otherwise he like just won't leave him alone. Yeah, yeah. But after everybody said hello, it's like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, bless him. He sounds very similar to my Labrador in some ways. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how did the rest of the training go after that sort of meeting where I'm sure he was just trying to break the ice with you, but how did the rest of the training go? Well, I was unlucky and I was lucky in some ways because... Uh, I got well, I, I got noticed to be evicted from me. I was a uh, house sharing, mm. and uh, the council it just took ages for them to get like get sorted. And then by the time they did give me a flat, I had to like spend money to get it all renovated. So Benny actually stayed 111 days with Mandy, who was one of the trainers, and she's like a trainer as well. So she had a lot of input yes. into Benny's training as well. So that was like rather good yeah yeah and that was i started training in the june and then in the november he actually moved in with me that must have been fantastic when he finally moved in with you yeah uh, yes it wasn't it wasn't because oh. uh when they give you the dog you've got your uh, bonding weekend where you sp- you just tie the, the lead to your dog oh. well i didn't have to do that because benny just followed me everywhere <laughs> if i went to shower he was in if i went to toilet he was in if i went to the bedroom he was in he just followed me all over and it is it is a big support to have a dog with you, you know, particularly one that all the time. But they are just such a a lovely presence in your life, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Plus the fact also that uh, it gives you a reason to go to bed in the morning when you when you really really don't want to. Yeah. You've got to, yeah. you've got to get up. You've got to feed. I've got to feed him. Let him out. Then I've got to take him for his walk. Yeah. Go like try to go shopping, which yeah. is usually. Quite an interesting one. <laughs> he, does he like the shops? Uh, he does, but we usually go into the same shop. Mm. And every time we get the same aisle, Benny will just stop and sit down. <laughs> and that's the biscuit aisle. 
Oh, cool. I got stopped by a, an old, old woman a couple of weeks ago, and she, she was like, oh, what's that? I went, a dog. <laughs> she went, yes, what are you doing in the supermarket? I went, shopping. Mm. And she's like, looking at me, I went, Ben, biscuits. He went, oh, he got me biscuits. Carried them over the basket, put them in, and just sat down. Oh, bless him. You should have seen her face <laughs> when he like, just turned around and walked away. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. The law is he's an assistance dog, you know, he's allowed in, isn't he? But, um, I mean, yeah. technically, dogs are allowed into supermarkets because it's only food preparation areas they can't go into. So, but there you go. Well done. Yeah, so he's, uh, he's he, everybody like, that sees him just like wants to come up and stroke him. And it, it's getting the stage like sometimes where you've got to go, oh, no, just he's, he's like overexcited. He's had, t- he hasn't, and it's like all that. And it's, yeah, sometimes it gets a bit much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the perils of being popular. <laughs> yes. Oh, bless it. Yeah, yeah. So what what kind of symptoms? I mean, you've mentioned waking you up from nightmares. And that must be, I mean, has he started doing that, you know, since then? Yeah. Uh, if I have a nightmare, he you, usually uh, licks me face. Yeah. If that doesn't work, he found out a new way, and that's he nibbles me toes. <laughs> That would wake me up. <laughs> yep, on me. So he's, he worked out that one himself, which was which was good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, because when I go out in public, I, ha- I can have a body shutdown where I, I smell something or I hear something or something happens and I have a flashback and I just, like, stop dead. Yeah. So he actually, like, he can drag me out of the road. He drags me out of shops. If I say exit, he'll take me to the exit. Medication, he can get me medication out of the cupboard and bring it to me. Usually with a load of slobber. <laughs> and then when it's time for his walk, it's like he just goes and gets me trainers and his harness and like puts them down saying, right, time to go out. Oh. And how can you refuse then? However you're feeling, okay, it's time to go for a walk, isn't it? Yeah, well, if I open the back door and it's raining, he won't go out. Oh, really? <laughs> but if I open the back door and it's not raining, but it starts raining, he'll stay out there. Interesting, yeah, yeah. So once once I've got wet, I might as well stay out here. But until then, I'll <laughs> I'll avoid it. Yeah, well, when me two boys come over to like stay or see him, uh, it's like you didn't get five minutes peace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he'll stay awake. Uh, the other day, he was awake from about five o'clock in the morning until about seven o'clock. He could barely barely stay awake. Yeah, yeah. But there was something going on, so he's not missing out. Yeah. Oh, bless him. So, he he helps you, you know, obviously in, in so many ways. How would you describe sort of the, the difference that he's made to your life? How does it feel now that you've got him? In some ways, it's in some ways it's really really scary. Because hmm. I know that I've got to take him out for a walk. I've got to go. Out, I've got to like. I live in a quiet area, and I know there's a possibility of running into people because I'm rather solitary and I don't like many people yeah so there's always a that but i know i've got to do it just for him yeah like to get the motivation to like get up going because otherwise i'll just stay in the house and i'd like just stay in bed mm. i also would help me favorite pub every day i have the same meal every day yeah and the staff down there being great as well they're just like they know what i want i get it straight away i, I get fed and 
I do the same thing, I have four cups of coffee in an hour, eat me dinner and then I just leave and the staff are great. Yeah. And and did they like Benny as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love when I first like went in and they went, Oh you can I bring dogs in and I was like, All oh, right, okay, he's an assistance dog. And they're like, All oh, right, okay, that's fine. And after that I mean like all the staff like come over, say hello. If the door, uh, a couple of staff like try to give them treats and sausages and stuff like that. And it's like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's automatic though, isn't it? We we equate as humans, we equate, you know, and I suppose dogs do do, but we equate um, love and with food. So, oh, I love this dog. I'm going to give it some food. It's it's uh, natural, isn't it? But yes, he's he's got a job to do. He's not just. Yes, the manager asked on Sunday, uh, realised that he passed his tests. So she went out the kitchen and she, uh, she brought him back two sausages and a slice of bacon. <laughs> and I was like, he's not allowed to have that. You know he's not. <laughs> At least he's made welcome, though. Yeah. 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 So when. Obviously, he does, you know, make a, a huge difference. Um, if you were trying to live without him. You clearly you wouldn't go out as much, would you? How would it no. feel if you, you know, because you'd you'd have to go and do your shopping, for example. So how would it feel if you had to sort of go to that that um, shop without Benny? It's really really hard. Mm. I used to go shopping at like two or three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. When everybody else used to like be in bed, I I go shopping because I knew there'd only be the shop staff there. Yeah. Just so I didn't have to like talk to people or be around crowds and stuff like that and mm. it's like really really difficult I went to the Isle of Man a couple of yeah no Isle of White a couple of years ago with me ex-wife and the boys mm. and I was I'd just been diagnosed I was, didn't have Benny and I was really really bad yeah and it was just like we went the needles and it was packed and I just couldn't take it mm. and now now obviously you know having a dog with you is not it's not a magic wand it's a big big help but could you can you cope with that kind of situation with Benny with you? Uh, if I could, I'd rather not go in the situation. Yes, yeah. But, like, do you know tests we had to go to the cinema and on a bus and on a train? And that stuff I've never done for, like, years and years. Mm-hmm. I've never been on a train since, like, 92. Yeah. And uh, I, I did all that. Benny was with me. He was great. So yeah. I managed to get like, through it and push myself. Yes, yeah. So there's, like, just... He, like, pushes me a little bit and it's like nothing ever phases him. Yeah, yeah. Which, it, you know, it's fantastic to have, you know, somebody, I'm going to say somebody, I know I know he's a dog, but I'm going to say somebody with that attitude by your side. You know, you know he's with you. He's a staunch support. He's never going to be saying, oh, sorry, I was looking at this, I wasn't thinking about you, hang on. He's there with you sort of 24-7, absolutely 100%, isn't he? Yeah, it's like having a, well, it is. It's like having a wife. Don't say this wrong. It's like having a wife. Yes, yeah. It's like yeah. always. It's no, no matter what, they're always there. They're always telling you to do something. Ben's like that. He like he like lie down and he'll go to the door. So you've like got to get up and go and open the door. Yeah. At the moment, he's busy hiding from the kids. <laughs> so I mean, obviously, he's he's helped you have, you know, much a much better life and a much more, you know. Um, it's a word with um, connotations to it, and I don't mean this at all in a negative way, but he's helped you have a more normal life, hasn't he? Yes. Yeah. Well, my life's been anything but... Because I've got complex PTSD, which is the nasty version. Yeah. And yeah. I've had like, multiple traumas going from childhood through to 
like just a couple of years ago, and it's like it just wipes you out. Yeah. And having Ben, it's just like he's constantly with me. He doesn't, he doesn't judge. Yeah. But he does argue, <laughs> and usually when he argues, I lose. <laughs> yes. So, Got to figure out a way of uh, winning that one. Yeah, yeah. But he, he keeps you on your toes. And I think Service Dogs UK is a brilliant charity. And I know Judith and Gary have worked so hard. If someone's thinking about supporting the charity, how would you, you know, how would you persuade them? How would you say to them, this is a great charity? What difference do they make to, to people's lives? Uh, they actually make it all the difference. It's, they, they make you get out, they make, they make you... You go to training when you. Some of the time, I didn't want to go to training. And Judith would phone up and give me, give me like a talking to and say, "Listen, <laughs> yeah. I know you don't want to do it. You've got to go." There's right days where you just don't want to do anything. But to to anybody that was like loving to any veteran or ex ex police or whatever that was going to, I, I would tell them to look into it and I would tell them to join because it's it's hard work, but it's fantastic and it's. It's like-minded people that are the same as you. Mm. So you've all got the same experiences. You've you've all got the same like problem uh, problems, yeah. and you can understand. Whereas like somebody else that's outside of the circle, like they don't have a clue. Yeah, yeah. It's like department work for work and pensions. Them don't have a clue. Mm. Yeah. Well, look, Steve. I'm so glad that you've got Benny in your life and that he's helping you. He, he looks a lovely chap, and I, you know, I just hope you you go from strength to strength now. And um, yeah. thank you ever so much for talking to me, and the best of luck. Thank you very much. Benny is obviously a huge support to Steve, and what a wonderful thing for both him and Terry to have Bella and Benny devoted to them and constantly supporting them. Don't forget to listen to Judith Brach in episode 169 of Dogcast Radio. And I caught up with both her and co-founder Gary Bottrell in episode 180 when they officially attended their first crufts for the charity. You can find out more at servicedogsuk.org and I hope the charity goes from strength to strength and helps many more people suffering from PTSD. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www dogcastradio.com Do you ever read a book and think, no, it shouldn't happen like that? Well, check out the latest innovation in romantic fiction, Macy's Choice, which puts you in charge of the plot as you make life-changing decisions on the main character's behalf. At the end of each chapter in Macy's Choice, there are always two options and you choose what happens next. With over a million and a half words, that's over 5,000 pages, 256 chapters and 128 different endings, Macy's Choice is an e-book you can reread again and again, making new choices each time to vary your experience to find love with each of the three heroes. To find out more, visit macyschoice.com. That's M-A-C-I-E-S-C-H-O-I-C-E dot com or search for Macy's Choice on Amazon. A dog will teach you unconditional love. If you can have that in your life, things won't be too bad. Robert Wagner And now the Dogcast Radio News. Police dogs do a wonderful job and hit the headlines for fighting crime in various ways. But a Canadian dog recently made the news for an unusual reason. 
Royal Canadian Mounted Police officers had been called to a supermarket in Chestermere, Alberta, where they'd had reports that a man had been assaulted with a handgun. When the officers arrived, the suspects had fled, but a police dog searching undergrowth near the supermarket not only discovered a gun, but managed to fire a shot. Fortunately, neither the officers nor the dog were injured, and no one else was nearby. The man who'd been assaulted earlier was later taken to hospital, treated for minor injuries, and released. Maybe they could save money and get police dogs to act as snipers too. They can be trained to fly planes, so why not? When Trinity Smith and Sean Nichols saw a Facebook plea from Larry Osborne asking for help to find his dog, who was missing in Colorado, United States, they decided to help. The dog in question is called Chloe and had been missing for six weeks, which would raise huge concern for any dog, but since Chloe was 13 years old, things were desperate. There had been reports from Mount Bross of a dog crying, so that was where Trinity and Sean went. Like others had done, they heard her cries, but unlike others, they managed to track her down where she was trapped on a rock and got close enough to grab her. After feeding the emaciated dog, the couple gave her back to the -the over-the-moon Larry. He later revealed that her weight had plummeted from 90 pounds to 26 during her misadventure, but thankfully she is now recovering. That is a huge weight loss. Do you think she'll bring out a weight loss book and DVD? Almost certainly. But now we have a sad story, but one which dog owners need to hear. When Adrian James and his family brought Border Terrier Rocco into their lives, they loved their puppy and set about giving him a great, happy start in life. They did something that most of us probably do. They left Rocco in the house with his collar on, safe as far as they knew. And when they returned, the poor little five-month-old dog was dead. Because his collar was on, When he jumped up at the kitchen work surface, he caught it on a kitchen cupboard door and, horrifyingly, hung himself. Adrian is a member of the Border Terrier group on Facebook, and the online community was shocked, posting condolences and tributes to the little dog. Out of the tragedy came the hashtag, Collars Off for Rocco, with owners posting pics of their dog with their collars off. One of the admins of the group set up a Just Giving page in Rocco's memory, with proceeds going to Border Terrier Welfare, that all might know the love that was lavished on Rocco in his far too short life. We have a link to that page on the Dogcast Radio site, and please do be careful about leaving your dog home alone with their collar on. Run free, Rocco. That's so sad, it's just heartbreaking. It is horrible to think about, isn't it? But we need to raise the issue to avoid similar incidents as much as possible. The loss of a dog can be a devastating blow for many people, but apparently for Joni Simpson in Texas, USA, the death of her Yorkshire Terrier literally broke her heart. When Joni woke up with agonising backache and her chest hurt when she turned over, she sought help at the nearest emergency room, which diagnosed her with a heart attack and had her airlifted to a hospital in Houston. However, when specialists at the hospital did diagnostic tests, they found there was absolutely nothing physically wrong with Joni's heart. And after talking to her about her dog's death, they changed their diagnosis to Takasubo cardiomyopathy, more commonly known as broken heart syndrome. Apparently, the flood of stress hormones induced by grief can stun the heart, causing spasms even in healthy people. Interestingly, Joni has vowed that her episode won't stop her from having another dog when she meets one she connects with. And for now, she has the comfort of her cat, Buster. Aww, I hope she meets the right dog soon. Me too. Losing a dog is a horrible experience. Does your dog love to dig? Well, according to Dr Emma Grigg, an animal behaviourist and co-author of The Science Behind a Happy Dog, this behaviour is completely normal. 
She says that the natural tendency to dig in wolves has been exaggerated in certain breeds like terriers, which we have deliberately bred to hunt vermin. But all breeds dig, and it comes down to two basic reasons: to cool off, digging down to cooler dirt in which to lie, or to hide away treasured items by burying them. Because the behaviour is innate in dogs, Dr. Griggs suggests that rather than scolding your dog for digging, it's more productive to provide an area where they're welcome to dig and teach them to indulge the habit there. And if they're digging from boredom, give them more activities to occupy and stimulate them. Like crosswords and sudokus. Could be. They always occupy me. Although maybe not. You need to learn more about dogs. There is a podcast you could listen to. Sounds good. Maybe I could listen to it while driving to a new dog restaurant, which is opening in Kings Heath in Birmingham in the UK. Apparently, there'll be doggy tapas boards on offer, and even a grooming salon, so dogs can look their best for their night out. Called the Hungry Pooch, the restaurant will serve up home cooked meals with baskets and blankets available, and a garden for toilet breaks to make sure canine customers are as comfortable as their human companions. The project was the innovation of Australian dog lover Matthew Delapia. Who was frustrated at not being able to dine out with his pugs Rufus and Milo and feel comfortable at home and genuinely welcome? No need for a doggy bag though, because the range of gourmet dog food can be bought for home consumption. Hey Jen, for dessert they could have pup cakes or waffles. They could have barked potatoes. This could go on all night. We'd better stop there. That's all for the Dogcast Radio News. You know, a dog can snap you out of any kind of bad mood that you're in faster than you can think of. Jill Abramson. Our next interview is with Dr. Jody Aydin, who's a clinical psychologist with 28 years of experience, specialising in children, adolescents, and athletes. She's also a dog lover, and her dog Roxy inspired her to write a book called Roxy the Doxy Finds Her Forever Home. I asked Dr. Dean to tell me about her real-life Roxy. So Roxy was she's a, a little dachshund, a smooth coat、um, miniature dachshund, and I adopted her from a rescue organization about four years ago. And when I got her, she was quite ill.、Hmm. And when she came to live with me,、um, you know, I'd had dachshunds in the past, quite a number of them, and I realized about. A week or so after adopting Roxy, that she was a little bit different than a lot of the dachshunds I had. She was a little more intelligent. She was quite cheeky,、hmm. and I realized that I am going to need to do a little bit more with this dog than I have my other dogs. So that was sort of the start of it.、Yeah. Went on to、yeah. take her to obedience classes, where she did not have. Any confidence in herself? It, a lot of dogs don't when they first start. Just like a person,、mm. don't have confidence. But she gave it a go, and she became quite good. And that was the moment where I started working with her on other things, different dog sports that we have、um, out here. And I think you have some of these in the UK as well: scent games, tracking, search, earth dog, barn、yeah. hunt, and things like that involving scent. And she became quite proficient, won a number of titles,、wow. and、um, so it, 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 quite an inspiring little dog. Yes, oh bless her! And that's lovely to hear, actually, because often you know people seem to think that、um, having an intelligent dog is a good thing, but it's actually quite a challenge because, as you say, you, you once you know you have an intelligent dog, you need to stretch that brain and work that brain, and it's quite a challenge, isn't it? <laughs> 
certainly was. It certainly was. You uh, you clearly have had this experience before. Oh, yes. And I know a lot of <laughs> listeners are probably going to laugh and nod and go, oh, yes, I remember, or I have one of those as well, and they can definitely relate. But they do need a little bit more attention, a little bit more brain work, more challenges, more games, um, a lot more activity. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. correct. Oh, bless. But I mean, so, so you found it um, a, a positive experience. And so sort of, I guess it, to, to take on um, a dog, as you say, that doesn't have that much confidence and to see that dog blossom is a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's really wonderful. And I think what's really great about it is anybody, you know, your listeners um, who have dogs and have gone through this are going to know exactly what this feels. Because when you do that with a dog, when you have a dog that is special, and sometimes we call them a once-in-a-lifetime dog. You grow with the dog, and you try new things. Um, I wasn't, uh, I was a horse person before and became a dog handler with Roxy. And you try a lot of different things, and you're going to have to go into your non-comfort zone, go places you haven't gone, go to trials, drive five hours for a 45-minute um, show, things yeah, like that. Yeah. And, and so it sort of mirrors everyday life. Um, what people go through all the time, taking that step, trying new things, trying new experiences. And that was sort of my whole idea behind writing the book hmm. and using Roxy to inspire people and, and to show, especially children, going through change can be positive. It's okay if it's scary, but it, it ultimately can work out really well. Yeah, yeah. And this seems to be... You know, this very strong relationship between, there can be this very strong relationship between children and dogs, If uh, obviously if everything's handled properly and set up correctly and supervised. But they can, they can make this deep connection and it can really help to motivate children to sort of have a dog involved, can't it? It absolutely can. And the intent of the book is really Roxy's finding her forever home, which is kind of mirroring like a child going through an adoption process. Now, by no means am I... Uh, comparing a dog being adopted with a child being adopted. That's mm. not the intent. Yeah. Really what it is, is to just show kids, young kids, that other entities, other beings go through these things. And it, it, it provides a forum for a child to learn about something like adoption or a blended family or going um, perhaps a step-parent or something where there's a family change that can be scary. And kids if they used animals, can it's a safe way to talk about their feelings. Like in the book, you know, how does Roxy feel? Well, you know, they can, kids can talk about how Roxy might feel. And they, it, it's safer for a child to sort of emote through what a dog or even a cat or even a doll, what that might be feeling when they're afraid or they're nervous or they're not sure about something that they're about to embark upon. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, yeah, seeing it from the dog's point of view. And it's got, that's got so many positives for the child to talk about things and sort of to bring out that caring nature to, to meet a dog's needs as well, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, it definitely helps for the, the kids, too, to read the book to see that you know, dogs, you know, in a sense, have feelings as well. And yes. I think that, you know, both the America and the UK and just the world over, really, really I think we are really increasing our, you know, the, the sort of phenomenon of having dogs as family members yes. or pets as family yeah. members. They don't just toss them in the backyard with our livestock like we used to do. 
but really integrating them. And I think kids are we're finding so much um, benefit from that with kids. A lot of kids with illnesses like autism and things like that, having a family dog, uh, kids with seizures, having a family dog that knows when the kid's going to have a seizure, things like that. So beyond just the wonderful bond that children and people have with, with dogs, the, the benefits across the board are just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And as you say, we're, we live in a world with in, in increasingly blended families and we sort of have stepchildren and, and adopted children, all, all kinds of new, different kinds of families are emerging. And in some ways, the lot of children and dogs has similarities because they don't always have that much say about what's going on. You know, the situation changes and it's just cope with it. So as you say, you know, from a child's point of view to, to see that the dog also is having to cope with this. There's, there's so many benefits for that in, in so many ways. So it, it does, it really works, doesn't it? That's a great point because a lot of the things that happen, and one of the problems that I've seen when I was in private practice with, with seeing patients is that kids are often treated like little adults and they're yeah. not little adults. Yeah. They, they, don't, they don't understand what's happening all the time. They don't know how to talk about their feelings. People get aggravated when kids react. Kids are very reactive. They, they are. So are dogs. Dogs yeah. see, they react. Yeah. Kids see, they react. And, and so, you know, essentially, that's, that's a really good point. They are in that same position where they're sometimes expected to just be tossed in a situation, accept the situation, and not have any issues with adjusting, not have any fears. And I think that that is it's not really fair at all. No. And so, you know, it's, your, your book is helping children to express their emotions and sort of, you know, giving value, um, well, giving validation to their feelings. But you also help parents think about and, and, and tackle issues that may come up, don't you? Certainly. So within the book itself, there's actually a guide that parents can use and teachers as well. I've had a number of teachers email me and say, I've used this in my class because we have a new student who's adopted and some kids don't even know what that means. Yeah. And it's really just yeah. some talking points. Parents know how to parent, but sometimes when they get out of their comfort zone, they're like, ooh, I wish I had a little you know, cookbook for this one. Yes. So it's yeah. really just some talking points to tee up the idea of adoption. And it could be, you know, I've had gotten emails from parents who said, you know what, we're thinking about adopting. We bought this book to talk to our biological child about how they feel about it because there is one character in the book, Mina, who is already in the home, and Mina doesn't necessarily want to share all of her toys and everything with this incoming Roxy. And that's a part where the parents can say, well, what do you think Mina feels like? Do you think Mina should have to share everything? And the kids are allowed to say, no, I don't think she should have to share everything, which is really what they're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. But then, of course, you can say to them, well, how do you think Roxy's feeling coming in, not being shared with? Can't exactly. You? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And again, it's safe. The kids feel safe talking about what the dog feels like because they don't realize what they're actually doing. It's really telling us what they feel. And it's, a, it's an easy way for kids to do it, non-threatening. Yeah. Yeah. You provide guidance as well for therapists dealing with this kind of situation, don't you? Sure. When I was when I was in clinical practice, I working with children, you have to use games, books, toys because kids don't sit and talk like people do. No, well, I should no, be adults no. for 50 minutes. They don't do it. They play games, they sit on the floor, maybe they want to walk around. It's just very different and I really really wanted more things that I could use that were visual cuz kids love pictures, they love visuals. 
to talk to kids about different problems, whether it was family problems, school problems, grief, losing a friend, bullying, whatever it was, just more things than, than the standard. So this was sort of a way to take what is kind of a cute story, just on its own, and turn it into a tool for parents or teachers or clinicians as well, kind Ooh. of mesh it Ooh. all together. Yeah, yeah. And I really like this. You you even, there's an email where children can contact uh, Roxy directly and ask her questions, isn't there? They can. And some of the questions, like Julie, are so adorable. Yeah. I will get, for example, of course, they want to send pictures of their dogs, which is great. I love that. And then kids, they're so unfiltered. It's wonderful. And they will ask questions like, Roxy, you said you eat vegetables in, their, in your book. Do you really like vegetables or did your mom just make you say that? And, of course, Roxy answers back. Or they'll say, Roxy, do you ever have accidents in the house? Because my dog had an accident in the house, and I don't think that was too good. But it's, they're, they're really funny emails. Yeah. And so they get, she gets email all the time, and, and Roxy writes back, of course, with my yeah. help. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's lovely because, again, you know, there's, there's, I mean, there's so many schemes at the moment, it seems, around that have developed where – People have seen the value that of children trying to well communicating with animals and and reading to dogs, for example, where that fear of looking silly in front of a person is taking away taken away because the dog isn't going to turn around and go, well, you got that word wrong. So, and it's lovely that that we've recognised the value of dogs in so many ways of of helping children, isn't it? It really is, and I think that we're going to see more and more uh, benefits as. I think we people branch out and not, you know, therapeutic settings, medical settings. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's great when people uh, teach children how to respect dogs and, and how to approach dogs. You know, when I'm out walking my pack and I see, you know, some kids coming, it's great when the parents, um, you know, I let my dog sit and the parents come up and say, you know, can my dogs meet, you know, my kids meet yes. your dogs. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I see more of that now. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah. people are becoming more aware and, you know, like we said, integrating them into the home. So it, it absolutely is. And I think the kids also learn about loyalty. They learn about a responsibility. You know, they've got to possibly feed the dog when they come home or they've got to walk the dog. It's something that they've got to do. And they learn to caretake for another creature that can't take care of themselves, which teaches empathy, compassion, responsibility, uh, things like that. Yeah. And, you know, it's, in, it's inarguable that those are some pretty good characteristics. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I, I can remember when my daughter got her dog, and she, my daughter was only 10, and um, she got Star with little uh, Bichon Frise. And when Star was oh. about six, I know she was gorgeous. And when Star was about six months old, six months old, we had her spayed. And we brought her back from the vets. And Jenny just, you know, held her in her arms a lot and looked after her and fed her water from a spoon. And just, and I looked at this little girl and thought, oh gosh, one day you're going to be a wonderful mother. And it made me see my daughter, you know, in a new light completely. Oh, that's precious. That's yes. absolutely precious. Well, you, you obviously are a great mom to raise a child that would oh, do something like oh, that. That's you. great. That's wonderful. I love that story. Oh. Yeah. Well, I, I clearly, obviously, as well, have a bit of a hypochondriac side to me, and I know I do. But <laughs> when, when Star was much younger than the six months, I think she was about maybe 12 weeks or something, and Jenny ran to me with the dog in her arms, just frantic, going, Mommy, Mommy, I think her tummy is going to explode. And this poor little puppy had hiccups. 
And Jenny had seen oh. this and not thought dogs get hiccups and just gone, oh, she's going to explode. I had to explain all that then. <laughs> That's precious. Well, what's really fascinating about that is that at, at a pretty young age, your daughter had a pretty good sense of the world around her. Yes. And in other words, yes. she was able to get out of herself and see, you know, that there's something going on with the dog, which it, it, for kids is not always that easy because no. it, yeah. young kids are pretty self-centered. You know, they're self-focused and they're kind of concerned about themselves and their peers. But that's that's pretty fascinating. Good attention to detail, too. <laughs> but she, she, she might was. not only be a good mom, she might be a good veterinarian. Who knows? <laughs> well, she's funny enough, she does want to work with animals. So, yes. Like so. <laughs> There's um, a surprise there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, to be fair, Star, Star was a lovely, lovely... We, we, we lost her, unfortunately, a couple of years ago. But... Um, and I've told this story before. People who've listened regularly will have heard this. But um, we, had, we were out and about um, in Ironbridge near our home. And... Um, Two, two little girls and a, and a mum were walking towards us and we got my Labrador and um, Star and we were walking along. And the little girl who was about, I don't know, three or four approaching us said, can I say hello to your dog? So I said, yes. And before I could even say yes, I kind of, I was nodding and the girl was on the, she was kneeling down and she just put her hands either side of Star's face and put her face right by Star's face. And Ooh. yeah, and I just, I mean, start, both of us are fairly bomb proof, but you do think, oh gosh, this is a, this is quite an, an in, intrusive thing for a stranger to do. But Star and this little girl, Star was always partial to little girls, but they just sat there, knelt there or stood there and just communed. And it actually was beautiful. And they just, we, they got on with it and we all stood around going, oh, okay. And it was their little private moment. And I did say to her afterwards, that was lovely, but don't expect all dogs to be like that because, you know, some dogs you really shouldn't. And it's not that they're a nasty dog at all. It's just that that's quite a a provocative behavior, you know, to, to do around a dog that you don't know really well. And she was like, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm sorry, I tried to use it as a teaching moment, but that was actually beautiful. Well, what a great te- teaching moment for that yes. girl and her parents yeah. because, yeah. you know, that is exactly kids are reactive and they want to hug. Yeah. But, like, to your point, where I do school readings with Roxy, we go and Roxy mm. sits there and I read the book to these young kids. But I do say uh, three feet away. And, and I'm, the teachers get it. The kids yes. are like, oh, we can't come pet Roxy. And the reason is, it's like you said, you just don't ever know. You yeah. never know. Mm-hmm. Something had happened, and I would never, ever want a bite statistic. Nobody wants that. No. And the only way no. to have that is to definitely have, you know, especially when you have a lot of children, they move fast yes. and they're loud yeah. and um, unpredictable. Yeah. And so yeah. that's a part of it. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But as you say, in, in, in the right situation, it's just, it's just wonderful dogs and children. So I, I know sort of in general, you promote ad- adoption, don't you? Having sort of adopted Roxy yourself, you, you'd like others to do the same, wouldn't you? Sure. I think, you know, it, it's such a controversial topic, adoption versus breeding. And boy, you could have, you know, 10 hours of, yes. of <laughs> recordings on yours. But I think it, it, in essence, kind of what everybody agrees is that there are a, a lot of really good rescues, a lot of very reputable rescues. Mm. And rescuing is great. It's not for everybody. It worked out for me. It's worked out for me in the past. And there are some really good breeders. The good breeders are the ones who have a contract with the yeah. person that's the puppy. The contract stipulates if the puppy or the dog ever has to leave the home that it went to, it goes back to the breeder, right? Yeah. 
So all of those things. And then, you know, you've got all the fringy stuff. And I think what's really hard is for people who are new to the dog world, who are deciding what kind of dog, what kind of breed would fit. There's a lot of information out there, and it's hard for them to really understand where should I go, which is why it's great when people can go to one of the big Meet the Breed events. We have, I'm I'm not sure, I'm sure you have them out there, Mm -hmm. where somebody puts on a big Meet the Breed, and there's breeder people or there's rescue people, but they're experts on that breed, and they will talk to people about what might or might not fit in their home and give them information to really help them understand good, reputable breeders keep the standard um, you know, they love the dog, they love the breed, they usually have had that breed for a long time, and then there are some great rescues that these, these rescues aren't making a lot of money. They're no, no. doing dogs, they're, they're working, they're driving, they're getting them, um, trying to match them up with the right people. It's a lot of work. So oh, there's yes. both sides of it. So I've gotten very lucky with, with my dogs, with rescuing my dogs, yep. So yeah. I think people need to take for themselves, take a look at both options mm-hmm. and decide what mm-hmm. really works for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, we, we, we talk a lot about sort of, you know, finding the right breeder, which is absolutely right. You have to find someone scrupulous, someone who's doing the best for the breed, not just to earn some money. But the same stands for rescue, doesn't it? You have to arm yourself with knowledge and know what to expect from a good rescue. And, you know, and whether it's a breeder or a rescue, you want someone who's going to quiz you, who's going to ask you question after question after question about, you know, how are you going to look after this dog? Because they are letting their puppy or their dog come to you. And you are going to be, it's, it's protected then. So they have to make sure that you are the right person for this dog, don't they? Absolutely. And that's why when people say, well, I had to fill out this 10-page application for the rescue or for the breeder, good. Mm-hmm. Guess why? I mean, because we don't want another dog going to the shelter yeah. or being passed yeah. around from person to person. And so they do try to vet out the right person for that dog and it's incredibly important i mean it's a lot of work but absolutely crucial and i think that the the rescues that do that and the breeders that do that are going to place the dogs properly you have probably have a higher probability of the dog staying in the home and that's a successful life for the dog and for the people and it's it's certainly i agree we're on definitely Definitely agree with that, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excellent. You've mentioned your other dogs. Um, tell me about your other dogs that live with Roxy. So I've got another little dachshund, Daisy, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. is oh, just a cutie little thing. She came about two years ago, three years ago, and she's a black and tan, and I think she's got a little bit of short hair and a little bit of wire hair in her. Mm-hmm. And when I got her, she was just rotund and, and chubby, <laughs> and now she's just lean and muscular, and she's become a different dog. And then I also have a Papillon that, oddly, was my mother's dog, and my mother passed away about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And so, naturally, the Papillon came to live with me. And what's funny is this Papillon is, they're very smart dogs. She's a very good dog. She's never had any training, and she's so much better behaved than the Dachshunds because, you know, the Dachshund breed is a little, <laughs> little, you know, stubborn. Yes. But she, my, the Dachshunds get out there and dig in the field because that they love to dig. They're being earth dogs. And yeah. she gets out there and digs and then looks at me like, is this what we're supposed to be doing? <laughs> no, you don't need to do that. You're, you can go chase birds and do what Papillons do. <laughs> pretty funny they all get along great oh isn't that funny they do copy each other don't they 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 pick things up from each other 
They absolutely do. And they, they work off each other. It's funny. Daisy and Roxy will go out walking when we go out, and they, they both walk, 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 and then this head snap exactly at the same time because they smell something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a deer in the woods. It's a mole underground. It's a mouse. It's something. But they are like a couple of bookends, and they are, they're working together, and one of them will see, look at the other one to see what she's looking at, and the other one will come over to see what that one's digging for. So they, they absolutely work off each other and copy each other and, and learn from each other. It's, it's quite fascinating to watch. Yeah. It really is. Oh, yeah. It's an education, isn't it? I can remember when, because Star, our, our little Bichon, lived with boy dogs, so there was Buddy and we had a retired guide dog and there was various boy dogs around that she lived with. And she started to cock her leg when she peed. And I thought, oh, she's just copying the boys. And then I found out when I mentioned it to a trainer that it is something that more, uh, you're not you're not allowed to say dominant, but, you know, more more sort of um, confident, pushy <laughs> bitches will sometimes mm-hmm. do. They will cock their leg. And I, then I was like, oh, right. So she's taught me something there. <laughs> That's hysterical. Yes. Oh, she was How a old was she when she started doing that? Um, I'm just trying to think. She would have been four or five, I think. Maybe three or four. An adult, an adult dog, and she hadn't done it. And then suddenly, it was when we brought a second male into the house. He was a retired guide dog. So he was lovely. And he, they were all soft dogs. But then suddenly she started going, nope, I'm going to cock my leg. I'm going to be, you know, I'm not being outdone by these boys. <laughs> I'll show them. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny how you see some of these dogs like that breed or the Papillon that people think, oh, they're just cute little yeah. fluffy yeah. puff balls. They think, no, 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 there's a lot more to that dog than cute little fluffy. I mean, yeah. they're very versatile breeds. They oh, can yeah. do a number of things and they're smart as whip. Yes. Yeah. I, that, I, I do find that sad that some, I mean, there's that term, isn't there? Armpit dogs. And you do see Daxons just picked up and sort of wrapped in diamante and, you know, and they're an armpit dog. And, you, and I don't, I don't mind what color, what um, color they've got. I don't mind the diamante, but I do think all dogs need to be allowed to be a dog and to, to let, you know, live to their nature. And, and it's, it doesn't happen sadly for all dogs. Yep, and it's you. You know, you have a really interesting one of the people that I was I was listening to the, the show today before I talked to you. She hmm. talks about letting your dogs sniff and sniff, and how that's their eyeballs to the world, yes. and not just walk yes. next to you. And I love that because um, yeah, I like dogs should be dogs. I mean, hmm. my dachshunds walk out in front of me because they are scent hounds, and you know, if somebody comes along, I, they stop, they sit, they wait, very yes. well behaved. But they're out in front. They're not. You know, and if we're doing an obedience class, they're to my left. So yeah. that's, there's a time and yeah. place for that. Absolutely. And they do dig and they do, you know, create havoc outside, but that's okay. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. why I do a lot of these sports with Roxy, like doing the earth dog where they're allowed to go underground um, mm. and in search of quarry that's safe and everything. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and do all these things. And so I kind of laugh sometimes when people say, oh, my dog's a couch potato. My dog would never do that. I think, oh, you just let your dog fry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Let your dog feel what that DNA is telling them to do. What does that breed do? What are they meant to do? If you give them a chance, it's amazing what some of these dogs can do. Yeah, yeah. One of my bugbears is when people say, oh, my dog's stupid. And you just think, I always say, no, no, you haven't found the right way to communicate to the dog or to motivate the dog, but it's not stupid, but you may be. (laughs) Absolutely. I love that. (laughs) 
<laughs> you just tell it like it is, obviously. Yes. <laughs> because that's so true. And and what a hateful thing to say yes. about your dog. Yeah. Why why yeah. would somebody say that? Dogs never lie. No. And they're not no. stupid. Oh no, no. But the, making some humans believe that is a challenge. Oh, yep. it is it's sad to hear that when people say that. Like, yeah. oh my dog's stupid. My dog won't do anything. My dog can't learn to go to the potty outside. Well, have you actually worked with the dog? Yeah. No, you haven't? Yeah. Mm, that could be it. Yeah. Yes, that's the thing. They don't realise what how much they're telling you about themselves and their lack of effort in many cases. When they say things like that, you think, hmm, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not. It, I, I wish if there was one thing I wish for people with their dogs is that when they had a dog that they would take the time to understand their breed and understand what motivates their breed and what games or things that that, that dog wants to do and would like to do. Because I've, I've seen people just decide to get a dog and decide to start walking that dog. I knew somebody that had an overweight pug, mm. and she was quite overweight, and she started walking that dog. And she kept walking that dog, really. And after about a year, she had lost 50 pounds. Mm. And that dog had lost about 8 pounds. Yeah. And they were quite the pair. And then she started working with that dog with agility. Yeah. And that little dog yeah. got a couple titles. And so it changed her life. Mm-hmm. When she said, I'm going to work with this dog, and that dog, we are going to do something together. We're going to change her life. As soon as she picked up that leash and made that decision, that changed her life. Yeah. And that changed the dog's yeah. life. And that is something that absolutely is, so astonishingly yeah. valuable mm. that mm. you know you either get it or you don't, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it, it's funny you say that because I was going to mention to you when you were, we were talking about letting dogs be dogs. Um, I interviewed somebody uh, from from the UK who got got a rescue pug that was overweight and they actually called her Marshmallow because she she was like a big white marshmallow. She was quite overweight and. Um, and again, started gently doing some walking and increasing the walking. And she does agility. And she says, you know, often she goes to competitions and she competes under Kennel Club rules now. And she'll say, often I'm the only, well, her dog is the only pug there, but they're doing it, you know, and inspiring people. And we need right. to let our dogs, you know, we need to have the expectations that they can live up to rather than live down to. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's been absolutely lovely talking to you, Jody. Um, where can people find out more about you online? Sure. My website is www.tallyhopublishing.com. And they can go there. And there's a number of things to read. There's, they can read about the real Roxy. They can read about the dog. There are some blogs that are written by my friends of mine who have adopted children both domestically and internationally and things that they've gone through. Kids can write Roxy and they can learn more about a variety of different topics. So Roxy not only found her happy ever after, she's helping other dogs and children find their happiness too. Isn't that great? We have the link to Jodie's Tally Ho Publishing website on the Dogcast Radio site. And I hope the book continues to help youngsters and their families for a long time to come. How many legs does a dog have if you call his tail a leg? 4. Saying that a tail is a leg doesn't make it a leg. Abraham Lincoln I was talking recently with some puppy owners who frequently reference the alpha dog notion and in the end I had to ask who had introduced them to the term. 
Sadly, it emerged that there are still trainers, behaviorists, vets, and breeders who subscribe to the discredited alpha nonsense. So sad that the very people who should be helping owners get a good start with their dogs are filling their heads with outdated, disproved, mistaken concepts which might well damage their relationship with their dog. To hear wolf expert Tony Shelbourne debunk the alpha dog theory, listen to episode 140 of Dogcast Radio. It's called Tribal and the Truth About Wolves. And for a very clearly laid out article on the topic, try one called Alpha Dog, the facts about dog dominance and pack leaders, which I found on thelabradorsite.com recently. All the links mentioned in the show are on the Dogcast Radio site, which is www.dogcastradio.com. That's it for this time. So until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident dogcastradio. That's all one word, dogcastradio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. Apparently, a lot of sniffer dogs have been vanishing into thin air. Police say they have a few leads.